0: Hear the word of God from the book of John, chapter 21, verses 15 through 19, located on page 884 in the Pew Bible. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, Follow me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Would you please pray with me? now, O Lords, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. I've entitled the sermon this morning, Second Chances. No matter how hard he tried, Simon Peter simply couldn't forget the events of that fateful night. The fateful night when Jesus was betrayed, arrested, tried, and condemned. The fateful night he simply couldn't forget, especially the shameful part that he had played, exactly as Jesus had predicted. Earlier that very evening, Peter had declared that he would lay down his life for his Lord, to which Jesus had replied that before the cock crowed, Peter Would have denied even knowing him three times. Which is exactly what happened. And Peter simply couldn't forget. He had reasoned with himself that his denial didn't make any difference to what finally happened to Jesus. He had reasoned that at least he hadn't sold out Jesus in a deliberate act of betrayal, as Judas had done. He had reasoned that it was a crazy and confusing night in which everything happened so quickly, so who could really be blamed for the things that were said in the heat of the moment? But deep down... None of his reasonings helped. Deep down he knew that he had denied his Lord. He had failed his friend and the shame of it was unbearable. He felt it every day. Because every single morning as the cock heralded a new day, So it's crowing, was a haunting reminder to Peter of what he had done, what he had said, not just once, but three times. I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know the man. Thankfully, mercifully... The cross that followed the next day wasn't the end of the story. Jesus was now miraculously alive, risen from the dead. And of course, that was good news, the very best of news. And yet, for Peter, well, it would never quite be the same again between him and his Lord because he knew that what he had done could never be undone. Now the details may be different, but the broad theme of his story sounds a lot like ours, doesn't it? For all of us, like Peter, have messed up. All of us have done things that we promised we'd never do. Things That we find a hard time forgetting, no matter how hard we try. Things that we know can never be undone, and the shame of it can be unbearable. Which means that we all need today's resurrection story that Mary Lou has just read for us, because it addresses this very condition that we all share. And the crucial, the crucial observation from today's story is quite simply this, that in this encounter between the risen Christ and Simon Peter, Jesus finds a way to move him beyond the shame of what he had done, of what he had surely done. Jesus finds a way to move him beyond that shame to the gracious possibilities and the sacred responsibilities of what he still Could do. It's been said many times by many preachers before that in this story we have a threefold forgiveness for a threefold denial. That in asking three times, Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Jesus was giving Simon Peter three opportunities to affirm that yes, he did. In other words, the words of denial spoken on that fateful night weren't the end of his story. Jesus knew this. And so in this encounter enables Simon Peter to express it for himself. Such is the grace of the forgiveness of Christ. That part of the story is well known. But this morning I'd like us to focus on another part of the story that is often overlooked. And that is what happens next. For in response to Simon Peter's affirmation of love, Jesus calls him to a sacred and vulnerable responsibility. He says to him, feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. And then he goes on to talk about what exactly that will require. He says, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belts and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. Now, it's important for us to realize that Jesus is not simply talking about old age and the difficulties that come our way when we are no longer in control of our bodies. It's a reality that we all have to face. I must tell you that this morning, every part of this 44-year-old body is feeling every one ...of those 44 years, and I'll tell you why. It's because of two people in this choir. (laughs) Cheryl Newcomb and Richard Lindahl. Do not be fooled by their cherubic faces... (laughs) ...and their beautiful choir robes. Because some time back, they convinced me to stretch out my hands... And they led me to a place that I would rather not go. As yesterday, we participated in a race called the Rugged Maniac. Do I honestly look like a rugged maniac to you? Don't answer that question. But anyhow, I'm just kidding. It was a whole lot of fun. But this morning, my body is feeling uh, a little worse for wear as a consequence. It's a reality that we all have to face But that's not the essence of what Jesus is getting at here. He's talking about the necessary journey of maturity, the necessary journey of faith, that we all must take and what that actually means in terms of our relinquishment of control And our willingness to experience the vulnerability that comes through that. Jesus is talking about what it means in the end to truly feed his sheep. You see, for Jesus to do so, it requires a certain vulnerability. It requires a certain relinquishment of control. It, res- it requires a recognition of our utter lack of self-sufficiency and our complete reliance upon the goodness and grace of God. In recognition that we must stretch out our hands. In acknowledgment that on our own we cannot do what is needed to be done, and so to be led to where otherwise we would not choose to go. It is only as humble recipients of the grace of God that we can extend this grace to others. It is only as those who know what it means to be seated at the feast of forgiveness that we can invite others to join us at that table. And that's why I believe Jesus chose Simon Peter to be the rock on which he would build his church. Not because of Peter's inherent strength or resolute dependability, but rather because of the painful recognition of his vulnerability, his lack of self-sufficiency, and his deep and desperate need. Of the grace and goodness of God. And so three times. He declares Lord. You know. That I love you. And in ringing reply. Came the gracious words of Christ. Then feed. My sheep. This, in fact, had been Jesus' own journey. The nourishing gift of his body and his blood, which we remember every time we receive communion, that gift through which his flock is fed, it came through the vulnerability of suffering and nurturing love in which Jesus stretched out his hands and was led to a place that certainly on that night, that fateful night, he prayed he need not go. But it was to that place that still he went in trusting, surrendering, vulnerable love And just in case we missed it and there could be any doubts, our passage ends today with Jesus saying to Peter and by implication to all of us, follow me. In other words, let my example be the pattern of how you are to feed my sheep. How appropriate for us to reflect on this gospel truth on this Mother's Day for it is more than maybe anyone else, our mother who, in great vulnerability, has fed and nourished us from her own body, virtually from the moment of our conception. It's no coincidence that directly behind our mother's nourishing breast is her heart, which is why our mothers, more than anyone else, can become for us an expression of God. As William Thackeray once put it, Mother is the name of God in the lips and hearts of little children. Certainly when we have been loved well by our mother, her heart reveals to us the vulnerable, forgiving heart of God. There's a simple poem that can hardly be described as great poetry. Some might even call it sentimental. But it expresses well this truth of the vulnerable nature of a mother's nurturing love that reveals the vulnerable nature of God's nurturing love. It goes like this. There once was a lad who possessed by a whim gave his love to a girl that loved not him. Fetch me, she said, tonight you rogue, the heart of your mother to feed my dog. So to his mother's side he sped, struck her, cut out her heart and fled. And as he fled, look you, he fell, and the heart fell down on the ground as well. And as it rolled, it whispered in a voice, oh, so small, are you hurt, my child? Are you hurt at all? On this Mother's Day, I sincerely hope that you can honestly give thanks to God for a mother who has loved you well, who has fed and nourished you, not just with food and drink, but with her heart and her soul, in vulnerable, nourishing love, and in so doing has revealed God to you. Sadly, this is not always the case. There are mothers who, instead of transforming their pain, end up transmitting it. And their children, their little lambs, their their sheep, suffer as a result. When this happens, it's almost always because they are unable to relinquish their need to be in control. Which is terribly sad and tragically unnecessary. If this reflects your story, then I'd urge you to bring your mother with you in your heart today, in this time and space of worship, that as you seek the grace of forgiveness for your own life, that you might ask for it on her behalf too. Who knows what you can enable through your gracious recognition that your mother's story, as you know it, is not yet the end of her story. Of course, it's not just mothers who are called to love in this kind of way, but all of us. That's the whole point of of the scripture reading today. For this is the way that all of us have been loved by God in Christ That is the example that he calls us to follow. This is what enables us to truly give ourselves to others as he calls us to feed his sheep. And so as you ponder what that means for you specifically within the circumstances of your life, let me close with a story. The mission is a movie from about 30 years ago that's set in the 1750s in the jungles of South America. It tells the story of a Jesuit priest by the name of Father Gabriel, played in the movie by Jeremy Irons, who seeks out a native Indian community in a remote area of the jungle. Not long before, this tribe had martyred another priest. But Father Gabriel was determined to find them and to build a mission station and convert them to Christianity. And this is what he did. In time, a man by the name of Rodrigo Mendoza, played in the movie by Robert De Niro, hears about the mission. His is a tortured soul for the life that he had lived. For Rodrigo had been a mercenary and a slave trader, kidnapping the native Indians and selling them to nearby plantations as slaves. He's trying to put behind him the violence and savagery of his former life, but he remains consumed with guilt and despair over everything that he had done and the countless lives that he had destroyed. In hearing his story, Father Gabriel suggests an act of penance. Rodrigo is required to pull a large net filled with the symbols of his former life, swords and armor and helmets. A thick rope is tied around his neck, which he uses to drag the cumbersome net behind him wherever he goes And so it continues for days on end as Father Gabriel leads him deeper and deeper into the jungle until finally they find the native Indian tribe that is gathered on the cliffs high above a mighty waterfall. As Rodrigo staggers into their midst, the cumbersome nets dragging behind him, he collapses to the ground. He is utterly exhausted, utterly depleted, utterly vulnerable in the brokenness that was his. As he feels the full oppressive weight, the impossible burden of the life that he had lived. One of the native Indians recognizes him. As a slave trader. Someone who had captured members of their very tribe. This tribe member grabs a knife. And rushes over to him. Yanking him by the hair. As he puts a knife to his throat. Rodrigo does nothing to defend himself. He just kneels there and closes his eyes. Surrendered to his fate. Waiting for for the inevitable and then the man with the knife starts cutting but not Rodrigo's throat but rather the rope tied around it as he severs that noose the net filled with all those symbols of violence and death and destruction and shame is cut loose, it's cut away and it's thrown over the cliff where it plunges into the waters below and is carried away forever. When Rodrigo realizes what has happened, he starts to cry with great, big, sobbing tears. Yes, tears of regret for what he had done, but mostly tears of gratitude for what had been done for him. And for the grace, the grace of forgiveness extended to him that offered him the opportunity of a second chance to live his life in a whole new way. And out of that vulnerable experience, we see later in the movie how Rodrigo offers himself in vulnerability to that community, even to the point of quite literally laying down his life for them. You know, on that fateful night, Peter had promised that he would lay down his life. That he would lay down his life for his Lord, but later that very night, he denied his master and his friend. And yet, Peter's story wasn't yet finished. In vulnerability, he encountered the risen Christ and received the nurturing and forgiving love of his Lord. And heard again the invitation to follow Jesus in sharing that love with others. With all the vulnerability that that required. And that's what Peter did. With the second chance that was his. And in the end, he made good on his promise. And truly laid down his life for his Lord. That, friends, is the promise and possibility of the good news of the gospel for your story and mine today. Over these last weeks of the season of Easter, through this preaching series, we've been sharing words or phrases that express some part of our story, and we've been offering them to Christ We've been gathering those words and those words have been joined together in an image that has been unfolding over these past weeks. That out of those words, the image of the risen Christ has come into clearer and sharp focus. That is the hope for us today as we come to tell our story. And to claim the grace of second chances that God in Christ offers to us. And so the question that I'd invite you to reflect on today very simply is this. Where in your life have you, when have you received a second chance? I'd invite you to use the little white piece of card that you received as you came into church today. And to simply write down the word or phrase that expresses something of your story in response to that question, when have you received a second chance? And in a moment, as the ushers wait upon us, and you place that card along with your offerings into the offering plate, may it affirm the good news of the gospel that we proclaim today that we serve a God of second chances who calls us to acknowledge the vulnerability that is ours and to share that vulnerable love with others as we make known the good news of the grace of forgiveness that is surely available to all of Christ's flock. Amen. And so I'd invite the ushers to come forward now and to receive our stories, our offerings. May it all be to the glory of God.